Shalom, brothers and sisters, and welcome to the live stream. Tonight, I have a question for you. Why is it that Cain and Abel grew up in the same household, same parents, same environment, but the one followed the path of righteousness and the other a path of sin leading to the murder of a man and exile? What is it that causes us as people to go one way or the other, left or right, for, for our feet to follow life or follow death? This is really the mystery of godliness, the, the, the big question that all of us face of where will we go? And I want us to explore this question tonight because I want us to admit to you that the why to all of this is something that many people have not really considered. And when we understand the why of why Cain goes this way and why Abel goes that way, we our eyes are opened to the process of salvation, the process of how a person comes to encounter God in their life. And so if we understand that process, how much better can we become fishermen ourselves like Christ calls us to become? Now, what I want to submit to you is that the thing that has always stood out to me is man's struggle with God. How there is this this struggle that we choose. Well, we, we ought to choose to enter in order for us to really find who God really is. And when we think about this struggle, some people choose to struggle with God quite early in their life, while others grow passive regarding him, his existence. You know, what's interesting is oftentimes people argue really hard about how there is no God and that that's why they don't care. And, and oftentimes they're even very emotional about their arguments for why there is no God, even if those arguments are intellectual. I want to submit to you that people actually sometimes get emotionally invested in the idea that there should be no God. And that that emotional investment is actually what drives them on the path they're on, a path of being passive about his existence, to not want to care about his existence or whether he is there or not, whether it be. Why? Because following God, if if there is a God, there is a that is a terrifying idea, absolutely terrifying because it means that one day I will stand before an almighty one true God and I will be laid bare before him and everything I've said, done or thought will be judged. And and this means that my I have accountability suddenly for the way I live my life. I can't just live the way I want anymore. God calls if there is a God, he would call us to live a new life, a life of righteousness, a life of sanctification, of holiness, ultimately. And for many, that life 
is is something that they don't want to live because it means giving things up that they have started to cherish even though in their heart they know those things are evil and this is what we face in that this struggle is never entered by these individuals who 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 try and ignore his existence and because they never struggle with him or struggle with is there a god with the reasons for creation they don't find him because ultimately what we read i want to read this to you in uh, the book of romans and we read Romans 1 verse 20, it talks about God and his attributes, his whether there is a God, how creation speaks. And it says for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they talking about the world, all of the people who live in this creation, they are without excuse. They are they cannot say there. Where is the proof of this God? Rather, what they are trying to do is ignore the fact of what is around them because they prefer him to not be someone who exists. But is this not foolish? Is this not unwise to to decide to not explore the idea of a creator? Is this see if there is a God, that is the only thing that matters is for you. Well, the most important thing that matters is for you to find him. And is if there is no God, then nothing matters. We are like dirt and to dirt we will return and there is no point, no purpose, no, nothing to this life. You don't have to go to work. You don't have to, to have passion about anything because nothing will come from anything we try and do. If there is no God, nothing matters. All is vanity. But if there is a God, knowing him is what matters. And, and this is what I want to submit to you, brothers and sisters. I'm telling you all of this because this struggle with God, it's not just about struggling with the idea of if there is a God, what does that mean with all my life? But it then extends to when we come to believe there is a God, then we it extends to that struggle with finding out who he really is. And and this is where Yeshua comes to people who are his followers, his disciples, right? And he says, I am calling my disciples to become fishers of men, not just fishers of fish like they had been. But now I call you not just them, but you, if if you're a follower of Christ, I call you, he says, to become a fisher of men. Now, what does it mean? What? Why does he use that analogy? Because he doesn't just use it for no reason. You see, when you think about fishing, there's a lot that can be said about it. But one of the main things that I want you to see today is that fishing is really a, a game, if you will, of how of of tarring out the fish. Right. We, we we toss, we prepare our bait, we make sure it's right. We toss it in. We're patient. We wait for the fish to nibble. And when the fish takes a hold of that line, what has really begun 
is a moment to see whether this fish can be tired out. We, we, we pull in the fish. The fish fights against this line. It tries to swim away and we, and we allow it to swim a little bit. And then we pull it in a bit more. And it fights, it fights, it fights. And we allow it to go and we pull it in a bit closer and a bit closer and a bit closer. And we, we fight the fish. And, and ultimately this fish would tire out if it does not break off before it does. And when it tires out, we are able, it finally gives in. It finally gives up. It just it's it's like telling you, I, I'm so tired, I give up. Just you can reel me in. It's over with. And so I want to submit to you, it is with fishing for men. You see, when you throw out a line with the bait on it, and that bait is your life, your life who that ought to look like the life of Christ. When your bait is out there and someone comes by and sees the bait and decides, wow, what is it about this bait? What is it about this person that looks so different, so tasty? And they come to nibble. And if they are hooked, that is really only the beginning of a large struggle. Because what then follows is they will you, you will share with them the gospel, the truth, the Messiah, the, tr- the way, the truth and the life. And they will struggle with that. They will pull away. They will say no. They, they will they will make up excuses. They will try and sidestep. They will they will even maybe get angry. And they will and you will feel like, well, what's going on? You know, like, like, what's going on? Is Am I doing something wrong here? Is Why are they so, like, hard-hearted against this? I mean, I know the truth. He's, Yeshua, Jesus is so beautiful. His salvation is so valuable, so precious. There's nothing, there's no, there's no catch here. Like, this is really a, a gift. But why don't they want it? We ask ourselves, right? And and then when and in this moment, right, when when they're trying but they're fighting, they're struggling against it, we we find ourselves scratching our head. But yet then we see people seem to reject what we have to offer them. But any fisherman who is trying to fish and who is busy trying to pull in this line, he's not confused when the fish struggles against him. He's not saying, oh, no, the fish is trying to swim away. What am I doing wrong? I'm going to just cut my line and and let him go. What kind of a fisherman is that? Right. Instead, the fisherman knows, well, this is part of it all. But I know the process. I know that as they struggle against God, as they fight against the truth, if I am patient with them, if I allow them to swim away a bit, they're still on the line. Let them swim a bit and I pull them in a little bit more. And they fight and they fight, they swim away a bit, but I pull them in a bit more. And ultimately, they grow so tired that they give in to the love of God. They grow so tired that they give up their hard heart, grow soft. And they finally say, 
I can't run anymore. They finally say, this is, this is it for me. I have to give in to this undeniable love that God has for me because I have tasted and seen that he is good. And see, this is the role that you can play in the lives of people around you. Those those family members, those loved ones, those strangers is you have this role. He, he did. Yeshua came. Jesus came and he said, I want to use you in this. He gives you this role of being able to be the fisherman that gives him to these people. How precious is this? But it, it demands patience of us. Great patience. You see, it, if we force this on people, right, if we if if we grow frustrated with unbelievers to the point where our frustration pushes them away, then we, we make a mis- great mistake. We need to understand that our relationship with people should not firstly just be about getting them to follow Christ. Understand what I'm saying here. That is our greatest desire. But our relationship with them must be built out of a love first, out of a love for this person, not an agenda first, but love first for this person. And from that love that we have for them, that is so great. We share with them the truth because, see, if we are just friends with someone, if I'm just family with someone because I want him to get what I have, because I want them to pray a prayer, I want them to get them a song. That's the only reason I have a relationship with them. They will smell that from a mile away and they won't want they, they'll, they'll understand that your your relationship that you two have, that friendship is really not built on love. And when it's not built on love, they won't want what you have. You need to understand that just hanging out with people, being a friend to them, being there for them, showing up when there is a need in their life, supporting them, all of these things being a neutral, just kind of friend, right, is a part of the witness. See, when we are with people sharing the gospel, sharing Christ, all of these things, there is a time and a place and it should be done. But I want to submit to you that everything that happens around that, everything that happens when around you telling them about Christ is almost more important than the moment of you actually telling them about Christ. Because that all brings the background from which they will perceive and see. It provides the context of the message that you ultimately bring them of the gospel. And if that context is defiled because you don't live a life that is godly, you are only there with an agenda. They pick that up. They're not going to want what you have. And so I'm just trying to tell you this, brothers and sisters, don't feel guilty by just being there around them, loving them, being there for them, even if it's not directly linked and related to telling them about God in that moment. It's good for us to be a good Samaritan, for us to just be a good friend or family member or spouse or whatever. 
And from that, we give our witness. We pray for that time and place to pour out our heart for them, to tell them about Christ. So I just want to share that. I think that is so important as we fish for men. But now the second part of this, of how people encounter God is through trial. You see, if it's not just through um, someone telling them about Jesus, it's sometimes not just that, but it's also trial or it's just trial. However, God desires to find someone. But, you know, we have people who say, well, life is good. Why would I follow God? Life is good. Why do I need to care about God? I have everything I need. But see, the problem is, is the moment that someone says that trial is at the door because the reason that things go well is because we have the father and the fall and, and that the father is providing for us. Even if we don't believe in him, he still exists. It says that he allows the rain to fall on both the godly and the ungodly. He allows even those who do not believe in him, who do not follow him to be blessed. But when they grow haughty against him, he allows sometimes those blessings, his hand of protection, which has always been there. He allows it to live for a moment, for a trial to come, for them to realize how dependent they actually have always been on him and that he has always been the giver of everything that is good, that he has always been that provider. See, because God is more concerned with our deliverance than our comfort. He is uh, he he will allow things to happen to us if it is the only thing that's going to make us look up to him. If it means that we can be delivered because you can have everything in this world yet and have nothing if you do not have him. And he will take away your comfort for you to realize how much you need him. See, when we look at the story of Jacob, Jacob was running from his from Esau, his brother. Right. And he has got his family and everyone with him. And he is afraid because Esau is coming and his children is with him. And God told him that these children is being entrusted to him because they're going to be a big offspring. And there's the promises of God that's like right here with him. And and he grows afraid. You see, he's on this mission alone. He's been doing things alone. But now he's starting to realize, man, I, I can't look. I can't save my family from Esau who's coming. And he, in his despair, in his trial, in his desperation, he goes alone and he wrestles with God. He wrestles with God and he and he and he ultimately starts realizing in his wrestling with God who God is. And he says, I will not let you go until you bless me. I realize O Lord, that if you do not bless me, if you do not provide, if you do not give me sanctuary, then I will die in the wilderness at the hand of my enemy. And God blesses him. And you know how God blesses him? He dislocates Jacob's hip for one, which is like, how is that a blessing? And then for two, when Jacob goes 
and he meets his brother Esau, Esau has a heart of forgiveness, gives Jacob a hug and forgives him, offers no threat to, to Jacob's family. And God provides sanctuary for him, for Jacob and his family. But see, God even allowed that physical infirmity to bring a spiritual freedom to Jacob. Because ultimately, when you when you look at that physical infirmity and you wonder why his hip, what's going on there? Right. And we we look at Isaiah. Let me read this for you. Isaiah 60 uh, verse seven. And. And uh, I'm going to pull it up for you. We read all the flocks. um, uh, Okay. right, right. Here we go. Yeah, it says lift up your eyes all around and see they all gather together. They come to you. Your son shall come from afar. Your daughter shall be carried on the hip. And he's speaking to Israel. And remember, Jacob's name was changed to Israel. And so it's this picture of how the children are carried on the hip, right? This picture of how God will bless us in this way. But yet Jacob's hip is dislocated. He's not going to be carrying any of his children on his hip. But it's see, God is trying to show Jacob, it's not going to be you who carry your child. It's always me. I'm always the one who provides that protection. But see, sometimes it's needed for this great trial to come upon our lives or upon the life of someone who doesn't believe in God at all. For us to realize we have to struggle with God and hold on to him and ask him, Lord, I'm going to not let you go until you bless me. And sometimes that's the only thing that allows them to look up and see him. And so, brothers and sisters, I'm sharing all of this with you because I want you to realize that you need to be praying for your loved ones, your friends and those people close to you. You need to be a fisherman. You need to fish with them. You need to let allow them to struggle with God, provide the opportunity for them. Ask the hard questions. Let them think. Let them wonder. Let them struggle. And allow the Lord to come and bring a trial upon their life if that is what the Lord desires to do. So when we look at the life of Yeshua, right, he had a life of 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 preaching. He had a life of teaching. He had a life of healing people and he had a life of bringing deliverance, casting out demons, healing, casting out demons, preaching, teaching all surrounded by his love. These are the elements that need to be in our life if we want our ministry to be as successful as the ministry of Christ. So ask yourself the question. You know, there's a time and a place for each of these. Is there a time where I can preach the gospel to someone where I can tell them about who Christ is? Is there a time in my life that I devote to teaching others about who who he is and the Bible? and knowing him more. Is there a time in my life that I have started to devote to healing, bringing healing to others through the power of Christ, like Christ brought healing through the Holy Spirit? Do I lay my hands on the sick to see them recover? Do I pray for those who have traumas and and, uh, emotional bondages of whatever sort, depressions, etc.? And then do I allow the father to use me? Do I pray and say, God, use me 
in the casting out of demons like he used Christ. When you looked at the life of look at the life of Yeshua, he casted out demons so often. He healed people so often. And he preached and teached so often. This was this was the foundation of his ministry. And this is what ministry is for all of us. Of course, we each have everything will look different for each of us. But but this is still elements that need to be present in our lives. If we want people from outside to respond to our ministry the way they responded to Jesus's Yeshua's ministry, a ministry not just of talk, but of power. Demonstration of the spirit and power, as Paul wrote, he said, that's the ministry that God calls us to. If we want people to be able to come and be reeled in as fish, because ultimately, look, when you look at the ministry of Peter, you look at the disciples, how did they do ministry? They did the same things Yeshua did. So if you want to do ministry, but you don't want to do the things Yeshua did, preaching, teaching, healing and casting out demons, you're not going to see what he did. And your ministry is going to be half of his. And we're in some ways missing the mark. If we do away with elements of Yeshua's ministry and we try and concoct our own, that doesn't look the same and doesn't have these elements. So, brothers and sisters, I want us to think about this. And in your life, even as a believer, the struggle with God doesn't end. It's not just about coming to him that where, where that struggle is. It's about even when we grow into mature believers that we struggle with him, <clears throat> that we enter this. Oh, we have these seasons of God. What is going on? God, you know, you, you, you feel like you're in this nowhere, this this land of nowhere, going nowhere slowly, maybe maybe like in a wilderness season, a, a time of dryness, a time of 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 not knowing like really where you are, where you're going. <coughs> and a, a time of your life of, of seeking growth, but not finding it spiritually. And in those areas, those times, that those are times that we need to come to the Father and wrestle with Him and say, God, I will not let you go until you bless me. I will not let you go until you give me more of you. Like that woman who took the, the, the fringe of his garment, seeking healing for her bleeding. She said the same thing as Jacob. I will not let you go until you bless me. That's what she said in her heart. And that's what she received. Like Jacob received a blessing. And that's what you will receive if you have the same towards him. So go. Go in your prayer closet, close the doors, be with the Lord and tell him, God, I'm going to be here. I will not let you go until you bless me. I feel like that's the season that many of us are in. That's the season that God is 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 has has allowed us to be to come in because he desires us to look up, to seek him, to seek him in a greater way. So that we uh, so so we so that we grow closer to him and be prepared for the time that is coming for the seasons of the world that grows ever more dark and and uncertain. Right. So, brothers and sisters, I want you to really with your family be encouraged in reaching others. Understand that when you're trying to reach out someone to someone who doesn't believe 
that it is okay if they're struggling. It is okay if they were, if they're rejecting. And it's okay if you're just the one in that day who is who is pouring a bit into them and they're struggling with it, but let someone else come the next day if that's what the Lord wills. And you still have played a role. You've still planted a seed and someone else may have come to water. But understand that this is a process you're part of. Do not lose hope. Do not give up. Do not say, oh, you know, this person will never get it. Do not give up on them because the Lord never gave up on you. And so as he had patience with you, had have patience with them. And you will see what the Lord saw with you. You see with them manifest. But be patient with them. And then in the on, on the second thing I want you to take away from tonight is be with the Lord. Get with him. Get with him. So allow struggle with him. Say, God, what is going on in this area of my life financially? What's going on, Lord? Or or what's going on in this relationship? Or God, what's going on in this in this job? What's going on in whatever it is you're facing in this ministry I have? That's just things are going wrong. What if the Lord is allowing something because he wants you to draw more near to him? He wants you to struggle with him and he wants you to figure uh, give this to him so that you realize again that you can't have control because sometimes when things get comfortable, we want to take control of everything and control, control, control. But the thing is that God says, I want control. I want to be the one who you always know have total authority in your life. I am the one that provides the manna. You will not survive without me. I am your bread. And without me, you will go hungry and you will die in the wilderness. But he is providing manna every day. Will you eat of it or will you allow it to go stale? Will you eat of it or will you allow it to wither away? Because you have other things that you're trying to feed on instead. Or will you be like the Samaritan woman who left her water jar at that well, who realized that she's had a drink of Yeshua that will satisfy her forever and she doesn't need the water of the world anymore? Who will you be in this season is my question. So, Father, I pray, Lord, for everyone who is listening to this, who is um, who is who is in this season, maybe of struggle, the season of of Lord, what's going on? who maybe has someone close to them who is struggling with with seeing God. Father, I pray for all of us right now, Lord, and I pray, Lord, we, we ask for you to come and infiltrate our life with your Holy Spirit. We pray that you would come and infiltrate the lives of these people that we are we are we are we are hoping and praying for. Father, I pray that you would come and encounter us in a deeper way than ever before. And Lord, we lift up our sins to you. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your sacrifice. And God, we pray, Lord, for mercy on the world, on the people in the world who do not see you yet. We pray for time. We pray for that you would empower us, give us energy, give us mercy. Uh, give us the patience for them and mercy for them. Uh, Father, I pray, Lord, for people who are listening here tonight who, who need healing. I pray you would give them healing in their hearts, in their bodies now, in the name of Yeshua the Messiah. God, I thank you, Lord, that you had a ministry of power and that ministry is still going today. So I thank you, God, for bringing freedom to every person right now listening who needs that touch of freedom. God, I thank you for pain to leave. I thank you for infirmity to leave. I thank you for depression and suicide to leave. Lord, in the name of Yeshua, Lord, where we are weak, you are strong. And I thank you, Lord, that 
we give up all our worries we give up all our 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 fears to you now we we give up all our our desire of control we sacrifice we offer that to you now and we say god Come and have control, have your way. God, we ask that you would have your perfect desire in our life. Pray this all in the name of Yeshua. Brothers and sisters, I hope that this has blessed you. It's so good to be back with you. Um, We uh, just came back from South Africa where I had some time to go and spend time with my family. It was a wonderful time where I was away. We were still putting out videos, but it's good to be back here with you live. And we're going to be doing this from now on every week. Um, Thursdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And if you want to be reminded to join us next time, please text Yeshua to 94000. Yeshua to 94000. And you'll get a text message as a reminder when we go live. And please share this video. This is a time I feel of struggle, a time of struggling with the Lord. And I believe people need to hear it. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll see you guys in the next one. If this teaching has blessed you, consider partnering with us um, by making a donation. That's how we can continue doing this. I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you. Shalom, shalom.